Hi, all you reinventors. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, the host of this podcast and the founder of CoveyClub.com. If you're liking our podcast, I know you will also love the Covey Club. Covey is a small group of birds, and I named it that because I wanted Covey Club to be an intimate place where you could find like-minded women who would have your back as you reinvent yourself in large ways or smalls. Covey Club has so many great services to help you reinvent no matter what your goal. We have stories about reinventors just like you and articles that take you through the reinvention how-tos. We have weekly classes given by expert reinventors who pass on actionable tips. On Monday mornings, we have incredible coaching sessions by our special reinvention coaches, Wendy and Dana. Reinvention is exciting, but I know it's also hard. And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to do it alone. Come join the Covey Club and meet women who will help you reach your goals. Join during our special subscription campaign from January 5th through February 14th and save a bundle. Welcome all you wonderful reinventors. Here is a tough one. It's a different type of reinvention, though we know we talk about all the different types of reinvention going on here. But what happens when in one year, you have two people really close to you suddenly diagnosed uh, with terrible diseases, you have two young kids, and then both those people die. And one of them is your husband and the other is a brother. It's probably more unimaginable pain and grief than you can imagine experiencing and dealing with. And I think we are all in that situation now where we are experiencing death in some way, grief in some way, just unimaginable things that we never thought we would imagine as a country and a society and as individuals. Rosemary Keevil has written a beautiful book, which is all about that, which is called The Art of Losing It, a memoir, all about losing her struggle with motherhood and because she was dealing with grief and addiction and her brother died of AIDS and her husband died of cancer in the same year and she turned to alcohol and drugs to get through it. She was getting through it. She's a journalist. Um, she's a wonderful writer and she was functional, but it wasn't pretty. And she writes the story about what happened and how she got herself out of it. And when I ask her, as you'll see, what's the key to beginning all of this repair it's called self-acceptance. And we all know as we get older, that's one of the things that we have to bring to the party is acceptance of all the things that we did in the past that we can't change. And hers is quite large as she talks about passing out in the car, having driven her children somewhere and knowing that was the moment where she had to take charge of her life. And as you know, from knowing people who've gone through rehabilitation, you it's not easy. These are very, very hard. So we welcome Rosemary and we welcome this very tough discussion about grief and self-forgiveness and moving on. 
and her book, which I think you will absolutely enjoy. And also it's something to give to friends going through this same situation. So here's Rosemary. So hello, Rosemary. So glad to have you here with us. Good morning. I'm thrilled to be here. Great. So let's talk a little bit. I always like to talk about how people got started, what they're, where they grew up. And you're living in Canada now. Is that where you're from? Yeah, I grew up in Toronto. Okay. I've lived in Vancouver uh, for since the 80s. Oh, wow. Okay. Talk a little bit about what you did for a career and how you grew up family-wise so we have an idea of your background. Okay. Well, I grew up in Toronto. Um, um, my father didn't want um, kids or pets, but he ended up with um, four kids, two St. Bernards and two cats. <laughs> so there's a survival story right there. And um, I ended up, uh, he was a workaholic. And uh, so I learned from that, that uh, if I'm going to work, I'm going to enjoy it. So I went into journalism and I was a TV news reporter uh, in Toronto for the, um, the national CTV network. And um, later on, my other journalism uh, jobs included a, um, I was the host of a current affairs drive time radio show. And I was the managing editor of a women's professional women's magazine. Uh, I went back later and got my master's of journalism. I did have my bachelor of journalism and I currently write about addiction and, and recovery. And I've written a life through a, a quite a, uh, curveballs at me when I was uh, 36 and uh, mother of two little girls. My husband got diagnosed with cancer and my brother got diagnosed with AIDS. That was 91. So AIDS was a death sentence and they both died within the year. So uh, that kind of changed my entire life. I hung in there in a manner of speaking for six years and then I succumbed to drugs and alcohol and was what one would call a high functioning alcoholic. But when you look at closely at the behavior, you wonder what that really means. It means I could work. And uh, I was doing that for six years and then I went into recovery and I've been in recovery uh, from drugs and alcohol since May 3rd, 2002. I've si since written a book about it, The Art of Losing It. I lost my husband, I lost my brother, and then I lost myself in alcohol. The Art of Losing It, a memoir of grief and addiction. Wow. Okay. That, that was just launched this week. That's awesome. I'm so glad. There are so many people that I have met recently who are in recovery. And it, I, you know, I, I don't know them before they were in recovery. And they're such amazing, awesome people that when they tell me about how they felt before that, it, I just, I honestly can't even fathom because they're so grounded. They're so together. So maybe talk a little bit about, you know, when you were going through that, I mean, that is a year from hell. And many people think right now, of course, we're going through years from hell, um, sort of as a general populace. How did you, did you figure out how you were responding? Did somebody intervene? I mean, that's, first of all, it's a hell of a thing to get over. And, but how do you know? I think a lot of people don't know they're handling it in a, in a not helpful way, right? Well, when I was going through the initial year of two uh, sick 
uh, dying loved ones and two needy children at home, you're not thinking about how you're how you're getting through it. You're it's survival. And one doctor called it. Uh, I was in a crisis mode. I was in so I was just going from crisis to crisis. It was crisis management. So survival was the um, the only way I could get through it without even thinking about it. Uh, then uh, after they died, it was again a type of survival. I was um, had these two needy children. We were all grieving. What do you do with that? I did research a, a fair bit on how to grieve for all of us, and um, I and I was working, and I sort of hung in there for six years. Um, and then one fateful night with Mr. Wrong and uh, cocaine, that was the answer to all my problems. I had been slipping towards that, but this was the turning point. Uh, and then I um, slipped into the grips of alcohol and addiction. And uh, can, I continued to work, um, but you know something's wrong. You know your behavior as a mother is shameful driving the kids drunk and high and crossing all these lines in the, in the sand um, and, and not having, well, there are serious consequences, but the most serious is death, and, and, and which didn't happen. But I, my final bottom was when I drove them and blacked out and I did not have an accident, but the blackout, which I'd had before, but not when I was driving. So that was my- wow. And so how did that go down? Were the kids, I mean, did somebody come rescue you or what happened with that? That must have been the wake up call for everybody. And how old were your kids? By that point, the children were 13 and 15. So they were six years before that when I went into the, um, the, the, the grips of alcohol and addiction, but before that they were grieving. So they've had a, a heck of a time. Um, so, how it really went down was it was the personal gift of desperation. That was a gift of desperation. I got a letter in the mail from the West Vancouver police that I was seen driving erratically on the upper levels highway. And uh, I, I thought I was going to come and get arrested. It was, it, it, it was um, my gift of desperation. I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew I couldn't do that one more time. My friend had a spiritual counselor and I didn't really know what it was, <laughs> but I thought maybe a spiritual counselor will be, will be the ticket. So I went to see her and I explained, I, I drove the kids 13 and 15. I was drunk and high. I blacked out. I didn't have an accident. Um, and I said, I remember thinking, pausing and saying, you know, what, what should I do? Do you think I need a spiritual retreat? And she just paused and she looked at me and she drew her chair closer to me and looked at me with her luminous blue eyes, peering right into my soul and said, Rosemary, what about rehab? Were you resistant to that? Did you, did you even acknowledge that that's what was going on? And did your kids bring that up to you or was everybody just sort of playing along and ignoring and surviving? Oh, I acknowledged. You know, as soon as she said that, I thought, uh oh, the gig is up. Right? This is what this is the next step. And as for the kids, um, they obviously knew things were crazy. 
um, they didn't know exactly when I'd been drinking or using, but once I got clean and sober and they would, we always making amends and have family therapy and things like that, um, they were, they could connect the dots. So we and had been, we had, been, yeah, we'd been functioning the family systems theory calls it a dysfunctional equilibrium. So we'd been functioning. Um, that doesn't mean this equilibrium is not chaos. It just means the behavior of the family members in the dysfunctional equilibrium is predictable. All of a sudden I get sober, you throw sobriety into this predictable predictability and then there was chaos. We thought there was chaos before, there was major chaos. I all of a sudden I had rules. <laughs> <laughs> curfews what's a curfew one of them said once i just wish you'd never got sober so we had we had uh we've had some issues <laughs> wow that's amazing that but that makes sense i totally get it mm -hmm. and why did you write the book now what why why now um i'm guessing this was a little bit in the past what years was this all happening well um they got sick and died in 91 and um, the the book has had various reincarnations I'm a journalist I write that's what I do so I think that I never wasn't going to write a book about it and then life kept happening then I got um, into alcoholism and alcoholism alcohol and drugs uh, so I'm not going to be writing in a memoir in the middle of my disease. So once I had some hindsight on the alcohol and drug use um, and some sobriety, uh, then I actually, a few years after that, I went and got my master's of journalism. So, so um, the, the original manuscript was a 50 page long manuscript I wrote during a weekend novel writing marathon session. <laughs> so, so I got it all out. And then the, the next version was um, 2011, actually, when I did my master's of journalism and I did my thesis on uh, women and, and alcohol and addiction. And half of that was academic and half of it was the memoir. And then um, a few years after that, I hooked up with Brooke Warner of She Writes Press and she did my, she was my editor. We did a content edit, edit, but meaning like you go through the arc and things like that. Later on, it was a copy edit. And then I hooked up with her for She Writes Press to publish the book. So it's been, there's been a number of reincarnations and ultimately it took a, a couple of years to get it written. And why do you think it's particularly important now? What can people, how does this dovetail with today? And what will people be able to apply from your experience to what's happening today? Well, um, specifically today, I, I can't really relate it specifically to our pandem pandemic and to racism, but one, things that are universal, death is universal uh, and death is always a relevant topic and um, most of us know someone who's suffering from addiction um, either themselves or a loved one 
So the, the two issues, the grief and addiction, are something that we, we all can learn from uh, ultimately because we all, especially the grief, it's hard to go through life without grieving somebody. So those, those conditions can apply to most of us. And I feel like we're all going through grieving of some sort. I mean, for friends we know, for friends of friends, for yes. people that we've known in our past who have suddenly passed away. Or, um, But I think everybody's trying to deal with, I mean, in, and in a different level, obviously, um, grief for a different type of life that we thought we had, for a different way of going through the world. How do you... How do you, what, I mean, sort of what lessons would you say, or what wisdom can you bring to all of this? Because I think grief is actually right there on the plate right now. Well, I, I, there's two levels with, with uh, grief and addiction, both. The first one is um, acceptance. We need to acknowledge that we're grieving. I'll just stick with grieving for now. Um, it, it, it's important to just sit with that. Yes, this is what is going on. And then it's important to know that the only way past it is through it. Therefore, acceptance, acknowledgement, now what? It is very tiring. It is exhausting. It is a process. We need self-care. We need to, the only way past it is through it. We need to sit with it. We need to work through it. I, I suggest professional therapy. It's very useful. I did a lot of research, a lot of reading. Um, it's something that needs to be attacked head on. We can't skirt the issue. We've got to get through it. This is the same with addiction. We have to, um, ex I needed to accept the abominable behavior I had as a mother. I had to understand why I was numbing. I had to clear out the wreckage of the past. I had to make amends. I had to address issues that would continue to trigger drinking and drugging. I had to clear out the detritus in the brain, make room for grace, and I'm a work in progress. This continues. There's always issues to be dealt with, and there's character defects that need to be worked on. So the only way past it is through it. First of all, accept it, get through it. Uh, and what you do, the next right thing, try to do the next right thing. I'm guessing that when this pandemic finally is over, and I've heard it from my kids already, they say they all have PTSD. I think there's gonna be a lot of mental health issues that are brewing under the surface or you know, that we haven't heard about. I just think this is going to be a lot of mental health help that's needed. I am guessing also we will see addiction numbers go up because when you're so isolated and when you can't see people, I mean, when you can't connect with people, when you, you know, there's just so much going on. I'm concerned that that's an issue. Does that concern you at all for when we come out of this and how our children are handling this? Well, I believe that the mental health issues are 
definitely being acknowledged now that um, people are suffering more from mental health issues. And uh, I would agree addiction, it's under the same umbrella as mental health. I recently did a story of um, a, a person in our Cedar Valley, Cedar Sky Corridor here, who did, who created a mental health app. So people, and it's quite popular, people are using this to, um, as a resource. Um, so yes, I agree that there's definitely a, a spike in mental health issues and anxiety, um, the isolation, and, and also the stress of parents with um, having to school their children at home, and a whole generation of, of children where this is normal. Like, wearing a mask out is normal. We, these, all these issues have got to affect us on a, a very basic instinctual level uh, because this is not normal. It's a, the, the, we are social beings. We, are, uh, we need social interaction. And we, when we forced to close up and isolate and um, <laughs> be, be with each other, of course we need to be with our family, but we also need to spread our wings. And I think it's gonna have a, a sad effect on our children and it's gonna take a while to, um, to move back into a, a more of a, a normal, let's get rid of this new normal and go back to the old normal. <laughs> We're all going to be ready for that. What is, if, if somebody is suffering um, in this way and afraid, you know, maybe they looked at themselves as being able to handle all this stuff in the past, you know, with a more stable environment, and they have to look at themselves differently now and say, okay, I do need some help. What do you suggest are the, what, what places do people go to? Do they Google online for addiction, addiction and help? Do they talk to their friends? Where do you suggest they start, especially for people who may find it very hard to accept that this is extenuating circumstances and they are responding differently than they hoped? Well, as I said, it's just, it may be difficult to accept, but acceptance is the biggest, is a big, big step. And um, that comes with from within. Uh, and yes, of course, it's important to talk to friends and close ones. And I'm, we can all relate to how difficult it is right now. So acceptance uh, and then figuring out, well, how am I gonna get through this? If it's the only way past it is through it, how am I gonna do that? I suggest professional help to get, and then there, there are resources that can be, we can be guided to. There's a whole, um, with addiction, there's a whole online um, recovery program and not just a, a, any sorts of uh, recovery meetings. And um, these are what help you. When we're going through all this turmoil and we accept it and we understand that we have to go through it, what is important is to try and do the next right thing. That's what's important and try and figure out what that is. Who do you hope will read the book, Rosemary? Well, um, 
the response so far has been overwhelming. It's it just amazing how it touches chords in people who have lost one, who are losing someone, who knows one, someone who's suffering from addiction. I'm hoping that the book will be a resource for anyone who is experiencing any of that. And it turns out, I, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed by the tenderness that I, I'm getting in return that the way this is touching people who have been touched by these difficult, difficult life passages that we have. So I'm hoping that it will reach anybody who that it will, it's touching, um, that it will be a resource. And I'm finding that that is what's going on. It's um, just being a resource that people can relate to and, and to understand that you can get through it and be okay. I'm living proof you can be okay. You don't have to stay in the depths of anxiety and depression and grief and sadness. You will always have grief and sadness. There is a hole in the soul when you lose somebody, but the edge of the soul will soften with time. You don't need to die from addiction. You can be okay. And I'm living proof that you can be okay. And what do you think allowed you to forgive yourself as a mother? Because I think, you know, I talk to an awful lot of mothers like you who are accomplished, smart, intelligent, think they're doing the right thing, assume they're doing the right thing. How did you learn to forgive yourself for not doing the right thing? Well, I go back to my original thesis. <laughs> this is a good bookend. <laughs> Acceptance. I, I could not do anything about what has happened in the past. I need to accept that. And ex with acceptance, one gets a certain amount of freedom. That does not let you off the hook of the horrible things I've done, of the bad mothering. It does not make that okay. What it does do is make me, free me to be able to go ahead and do the next right thing. It's what I, what I do today that matters. So it's uh, the whole crux of the matter is acceptance. We can't get anywhere without that. And how do your kids feel? How old are they now? My kids are in their early 30s and both of them are doing well. They're in careers that they uh, love and they're in successful, uh, happy marriages. And I, I like to say, <laughs> Oh, maybe I did something right, but maybe it's more that they're incredibly resilient. <laughs> um, so uh, one of them is very, very private, and I need to respect that. The other one is writing her own addiction memoir. And she has a New York agent interested. Wow. So she's writing about your addiction, or she had addiction too? She had an addiction. Oh, wow. She, she got clean and sober when she was 16, and she's 31 now. So she's got, and so her story is about, she was in an abusive relationship and um, she was in involuntary youth treatment, compliments of yours truly for a few years. So she's got a great story to tell. So, so, wow. so the short story is, they're, they're <laughs> the miraculous story is they are okay. We're all works in progress, but we are all okay. That's incredible. Rosemary, what would you say to women in the midst of this right now 
who don't know what to do, who are sensing that everything's out of control with their grief or with an addiction problem, how do they move forward? How do they get the courage to actually say, I need help and actually Google that and start down that road? What are the, what are the steps? Because this is really a reinvention of the soul. And the question is, when all the barriers are up and you're too afraid to face it, how do you take those first steps? Well, the very first step is the acceptance and to realize that um, it, in order to move forward, we have to address the next right step and the next right step. It's what I do today that's important. And if that means getting help, one needs to reach out, professional therapy uh, and any uh, resources such as um, for recovery meetings, there's groups for people grieving, there's research one can do, um, reaching out and understanding that what we do next is what's important. Any other sort of tips or tricks for people pulling themselves out? Was there a turning point for you? Uh, well, I mean, I had a gift. <laughs> I had the gift of desperation when I drove those kids, when I blacked out. So um, not everybody has that specific gift of, of desperation. One can pray for, pray for the divine intervention that one understands that there needs to be a change, there needs to be a shift, and the shift comes from um, personal acceptance. And I know I keep going back to that, but this is my biggest lesson is, um, what are we gonna do next that matters? This is, this is my big message. I, um, beyond that, um, it's everything you do next, and that's getting help important to reach out and get help. And I find exercise is helpful. It's a good release. And um, it, it, talking to people is important. Leaning on people, leaving on loved ones and um, professional help. Um, it's important that one moves forward and gets help and understands you cannot do this alone. And awesome. be, good, be good to yourself. Give yourself time, give yourself rest, give yourself self-care. I think those are big lessons and women tend to not give themselves self-care and not give themselves time and expect everything from themselves all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a problem. So thank you, Rosemary. Thanks so much. We're so excited to have you here. And we hope that uh, we will talk to you again. And I love the fact that you are so positive about recovery and I love self-acceptance because as we age, that's one of the most important things that we have to get to before we can move on. We are not perfect. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. And we all know it. It's just hard admitting it. Yeah, we can't change the past. Right, exactly. Wonderful. Rosemary, thank you so much. I appreciate the talk. Thank you. It's been lovely to talk to you. Lovely to meet you.
So thank you so much for joining us at Reinvent Yourself with Leslie Jane Seymour. I hope you enjoyed this very intense discussion with Rosemary Keeble, and I hope that you will pick up her book, her memoir, um, The Art of Losing It, and also give it to people and friends and loved ones who may need help in that direction. We are all dealing with grief. We are all dealing with changes in a world that we did not expect. And this is helpful for us to all speak about it very openly. If you liked what you heard, I hope that you will subscribe and you will also come over and visit us over at the Covey Club. Covey, Thecoveyclub.com is where we have all our great content and also our events that we hold, which are learning experiences, classes, and webinars. So thank you so much for joining us, and I hope that you will come back the next time. Also, if you subscribe, dig into our over 100 podcasts that come at reinvention from every angle that you can imagine. And I think you will find inspiration there, and you will find tips and tricks to get you through whatever kind of reinvention is coming your way. So take care, and until next time, be good.